Hi, and welcome back. I am Kyle Masterman, and you are listening to the My Lazy Pancreas podcast. For first-time listeners, firstly, thank you very much for joining in, and I do hope you enjoy this podcast. This podcast is all about connecting with people living in the type 1 diabetes world who are not letting the disease hold them back and, in my opinion, are kicking ass at life. I hope that these stories can inspire and motivate those of you listening out there to pursue your own dreams and ambitions and not let the disease hold you back. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform and on my website, mylazypancreas.com. That way you'll get notifications of upcoming episodes, who I'm interviewing, and also you'll be able to read the show notes. That's mylazypancreas.com. Okay, that's enough ramblings from me. I want to introduce you to today's guest. Now, we're down at Barbagello Raceway in Wanneroo in Perth, and we're talking to April, a.k.a. Apes, Welsh. Now, this type 1 ninja literally lives life in the fast lane. Having type 1 for pretty much her entire life, she has had to stand up to some pretty life-changing challenges and has come out the other side stronger, more resilient, and determined to pursue her love for sport. April is now in her fifth season of Formula V motorsport racing, and she's sponsored by global company Novo Nordisk. Now, I don't want to give too much away, so let's get into it. But before we do, please enjoy this episode, and please don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining me, April. It was great to catch up with you. Yeah, um, no, we're here at Barbagello Raceway in Wanneroo. Yes. So if you if you hear some loud noises in the background, that's those awesome V8s out there. <laughs> it's not me, unfortunately. No. One day. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, yeah, great to have you on on the show. Hi, no, I love what you're doing. So thank you. Um, I'm uh, I've been listening with uh, good, great good. interest. So I'm um, I'm very honoured that you've um, asked me to come on. So thank you. No worries. Thank you for coming on. That's it's great to have a. A superstar racer. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll get into a bit later, but um, I suppose, yeah, I sort of wanted to get into your your background, obviously, um, with your intro to diabetes, as you call it. Yep. Um, sort of when you were diagnosed and how that experience was for you. So I was diagnosed at the age of three. Um, so this is my 22nd year of living with well type done. one. Yeah, well exactly. Did you milestone. get an award for that? <laughs> um, my mum is actually um, a senior nurse at um, Sir, Charles, Sir Charles Gardner Hospital in the emergency department. So she actually picked up on the symptoms at home yeah, okay. um, and had a, had a sneaking suspicion that it was, it was diabetes. Um, so she actually brought home a urine test strip from work yeah, okay. um, and, and dipped my urine at home and um, knew at that point that I think she knew what, what we were in for. Yep. Um, I, of course, didn't. Then? Three. Three. Right. Um, so, yeah, it was, I think no one can quite prepare you for what's about to come, but I think <laughs> someone with a medical understanding and, and knowledge of it was yep. probably, um, I think I was in pretty good hands, yeah. I think. Um, so my diagnosis story is pretty straightforward forward in the sense that I don't have any of these kind of DKA or, or horror stories. Um, and then I, I suppose, you know, having type 1 as a kid, I always had pretty well um, managed control. Um, yeah. Again, from the fact that mum knew what needed to be done, was was really educated and, and also brought herself up to speed on a lot of the new technologies and things that were happening as they happened. Um, so I was actually one of the youngest in Western Australia to go on an insulin pump when they first came. Yeah. Um, so I think I was about six or seven. Yeah. Um, and again, it was something that we had um, heard was happening in the US, had read about it online. Uh, Mum had done a bit of background research into insulin pumps. Yeah. Um, I had quite a few horror I suppose winters of being sick with the common cold and flu and spent a lot of time in PMH um, and mum just decided that whilst we were managing the diabetes well it was really hard for me to have good control as a kid yeah, so okay. and I found that my whole life like I have to have diabetes as like my main priority yeah to be on top of it yeah um, I'm not one of these people that can seem to get away with a few finger pricks a day um, <laughs> So we took it to my doctor at the time and said, um, we've heard this new technology, we think it's what April needs, um, 
can we can we start? And it was actually Dr. Jones, and he said yeah, right, these right. aren't yep. even in. I think there was a couple in Australia being trialled on um, adults, yep. and so he kind of went, oh, "Your daughter's six, you know, we, we don't quite know how this is going to go." Um, and Mum said, "Well, let us be the guinea pig." So. Um, yeah, yeah. So I was one of the first to go on an insulin pump, um, and then have just recently in the last probably 18 months started using CGM full time as well. So, um, it's pretty crazy. Like within 22 years, I've gone from multiple injections a day, Mm -hmm. um, you know, up to 20 finger pricks a day (laughs) to an insulin pump and now CGM. So, um, yeah, it's, and I suppose I, I often say that I think I'm grateful sometimes that I don't remember life prior to di- diabetes because um, I couldn't think, you know, your situation and, and other people that kind of at that teen yeah. phase, I couldn't think of how challenging that would be. Yep. Um, but then having said that, being diagnosed so young, that's obviously faced a number of challenges later on in life for me as well. So yeah. would have been not easier, but mm. would have been a bit easier to transition into it because it it's not really you haven't really learnt life skills exactly. yet, have you? No. Yeah. Like and, and I don't actually have any memories without diabetes. Yeah. Um and you know, some might say that's sad, but as I said, I think for me my outlook on is that's just always been my life. Yeah. Like yeah. that's how I know life. That's just what I do. It's just what it is. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't really have any memories before diabetes. <laughs> yeah, that right. wasn't it was only nineteen years ago. Yeah, so yeah. 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 Feel the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember um, seeing that um photo a while back with you and Dr. Jones yeah. outside of um, PMH, was yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that was about the time when the insulin pump first was, as I said, being, and it was interesting because um, they had trials, I think it was in the UK or the US, where they had babies that were only 18 months old mm. with the insulin pumps in a harness, like we're, like wearing them like a backpack. That's right. I, do, for the I reason, have seen some of those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For the reason that then they weren't playing with the buttons and, yep. and couldn't touch them and that sort of thing so um my mum's a very stubborn woman (laughs) and in this case it was a good reason um but it was it was just something that we decided it needed to be pushed here in WA um and I think for that reason I've always been a passionate and advocate for diabetes but also very invested and and um keeping up to date in what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think particularly in the world that we live in now, if you're not up to date and you're not your Definitely. own advocate, you just get lost behind. Yeah. Mm. Everything's just changing so mm. quickly. I, I feel like in, even in the last five years, there's been so many yeah. different technology changes and this, yep. this is crazy. It is. It's yeah. hard to keep up. <laughs> so we, we can sort of thank you for bringing the, the first pump over here. And so everyone that's Being on a pump, thanks April. We appreciate it. <laughs> no, and I'm sure you've seen how life-changing, you know, that technology has been. Yeah. Um, and I think how much it's helped me and advanced and, and been able to assist me in, in sporting and, and what I enjoy in, in my spare time. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah. So you've always been into sports. Yes, yes. But you had a, had a bit of a rough road um, somewhere early on yeah yeah I suppose I did school sport like everyone else when they're young um I was a avid netballer and did you know as you did when you were as I said in primary school um and then started competitive swimming um and I think I was about 14 and just started to show some promising signs was training you know getting up at 5am to go to the pool before (laughs) school which mum and dad loved sometimes yeah yeah, I did that for my daughter as well yeah yeah, it's fun. Um, so I was doing like multiple sessions a week before yep. and after school and on weekends and I think I was spending more time in the water than I was out. <laughs> um, but it was something that I really loved. Um, I was competing most weekends as well. Yeah. Um, and that was really interesting learning how to manage diabetes with swimming. Yeah. And now the comparison between that and what I'm doing now, racing, like yep. the management style is actually quite similar. Oh, really? But, um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, okay. I'll we'll touch on we'll that. Go into yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. But um so started swimming as I said competitively was starting to get to kind of that state level yeah. um and then all of a sudden was developing this like chronic shoulder pain. Um and it got so bad to the point where I couldn't even swim like 25 meters freestyle oh. without having to get out of the pool. Yeah. So for me someone who was doing kilometers a week this yeah. was like just what's going on. 
Um, so I was doing physio for months, um, looking at my shoulder, I had ultrasounds, no one could seem to work out what was going on. Yeah, okay. um, and one day my coach said to me, one of your shoulder blades is sticking out higher than the other. And we worked out I was getting this shoulder pain because my spine was bent oh. because I had scoliosis. Yep. So typical scenario, we were all looking at the problem area and not yeah, the whole yeah, the right. whole picture. What, what the source was. Yeah, the band-aid approach, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so at that point when we found that I had scoliosis and was diagnosed with scoliosis, I already had a 45-degree curve. Yeah. And f- for those that don't know what that is, can you explain a little bit about what so you, what it actually is? Yeah, so during your growth period, your spine basically grows abnormally. So it's it's it starts growing off in one direction or the other. Okay, right. Um, so... At that point, so so if it's picked up early, mm. people can actually wear like a brace, a physical brace. Yep. So it prevents your spine growing one certain way yep. from the other and it's Just guide it in nice the right and direction. straight, yep. that's it. Um, but because I was beyond that point and I'd finished growing, um, there was no point in me being put in a brace. So they yep. basically said, um, this is probably going to get worse um, one degree a year. Okay. Um, so the curve will keep getting worse yep. and you'll eventually become a bit of a hunchback. Um, and then, of course, that has puts pressure on your organs and all the rest of it if your spine's crumbled over. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't a great outcome. Right. Didn't, didn't like the sound of that. Wouldn't, wouldn't be too good for swimming, no, I imagine. No. Um, and so the other option was to go in and have it um, fixed, which is revolves quite... Um, involved, sorry, quite intrusive surgery. Yeah. So I am completely fused from T10 to L3. Yeah. Um, so my entire lower back, I have two metal rods with six screws either side, um, and that stays in forever. So um, that was just this massive surgery that I don't think I could ever have prepared myself for. No. Um, I spent weeks in at Royal Perth. Yeah. Um, and then due to the surgery and long periods of laying, um, I then developed like post-op complications. So had a gut problem and um, just it just was this hell period yeah. that like, yeah, I, I think That's I've tried fun. to er- erase. Yeah. 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 Um, but that, that, I think that's the reason why, you know, probably one of the reasons I want to talk to you today as well is that sort of adversity that, you know, we come from, mm. you know, these, these challenging times in our life, but we, we don't stop and give up and just lay flat on our back and yes. dive. We, we get up and you do get on with it. Great stuff. Like, that's it. Like what you're doing with yourself. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, and I think that was really challenging, particularly for a, um, 14, 15 year old girl, um, not only the, the, um, self-confidence and, and what is this going to look like having a scar down my back? Um, but of course I had dreams and achievements and sporting goals that I wanted to pursue. Um, but I knew that spending, you know, the months that I did in hospital and, and the, the entire process, um, you know, everyone, anyone who knows what it's like to miss a couple of days in the yeah. gym. <laughs> I was just thinking the yeah. same thing. Like, I freak out when it's like, you know, miss a week yeah. week of exercise. Oh, my God, it's exactly. going to fall apart. But, yeah, a so, months, it would be hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, initially, I tried to get back in the pool, um, yep. and that was also partly rehab. Um, but I just... Yeah, I don't know. I think for me, it was also a tricky time because I was going through that period at school where I had to choose subjects for year 11 and year 12. Yeah. Um, so I suppose it was a bit of a moment for me of like total reflection mm. on where I was at, what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and motorsport was always something that has been in my life and been in my family. And, yep. um, and I suppose that was something that was actually a question I asked the surgeon yep. was, look, I haven't, I haven't committed to anything and I haven't even stepped foot in a race car, but that, that's something I might want to pursue. Yeah. And is this surgery going to change that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I suppose for me it was kind of that, that light bulb moment yeah. of maybe this is the timing in my life now to, to give this a crack. Yeah, why not? Mm. Yeah, I remember talking about it before, like we both come down here and, and watch, the, watch the racing as we were yeah. kids. I remember my dad used to flag marshal and he used to be out in the little pipes out there and sit yep. there and watch all the great stuff. And so it's... your dad was probably flag marshalling for my dad. Probably, yes. Who was racing. Yes. <laughs> Hopefully not crashing. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. So yeah. no, it's 
my, I suppose, motorsport journey is very much similar to you. As a child, I got dragged along to racetracks <laughs> yeah. um, to watch dad yeah. um, most weekends. Um, I would be, you know, the, the, the girl in the pits running around cleaning everyone's car with a bottle of Mr. Sheen. <laughs> um, and prior to that, though, my, my granddad um, used to race motorsport as well. Yeah. So I've actually got it on both sides. Oh um, so we we often joke that I had no choice. Yeah, I was just going to say you had no choice. No, that's it. It was always going to happen. Your path has always been. Yeah, yeah. And you're enjoying it though, right? Um, but it's funny how like earlier in life mm. it would be like, Dad, turn the racing off the television. Like we want to watch SpongeBob SquarePants. Or, like it was yeah. something that we were like, oh, Dad's doing that again. Yeah. And then it's, it's yeah, completely now become something that, you know, like this morning I was watching the GP, and, you know, the rally cross and yep. it's just, it's now just become such a passion of mine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was that, it was that 16, kind of 16, 17, everyone was getting their license at school. Yep. And I'd said to dad, um, they do, we do a day within our racing category that allow sponsors and family members to come up to the track at the end of the year when the racing's finish and just just jump in it and experience what it's like to drive the car. Yeah. And so I said to dad, like, what's the, what do you reckon I could come along and, and have a bit of, bit of a drive? And dad was like, yeah, yeah, you know, you have a pedal. Yeah. So I came up and I remember getting in the car and just freaking out and said to dad, what's the third pedal for? <laughs> <laughs> and he went, oh, we've got a long way yeah, to go. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my first experience of even driving a manual car. And what um, car was that? The Formula V. The Formula V? Yeah. yeah so um, I, I think that was the moment for dad that he realized I was serious at, at giving this a go. Yeah. Um, and both mum and dad sat me down and said, how about you get your road license and, and have some, some real driving experience yeah. before yeah. you start racing? Yeah. Um, so I was a bit of a late bloomer, I suppose you'd call it, yeah. um, coming into motorsports. So I didn't do go-karts or anything. I just jumped straight into... Straight into the good stuff. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Why not? And here we are. Who cares, who cares about the little stuff? <laughs> yeah, just aim big. Yeah, for sure. Great. I suppose to begin with, you're in the 1200s? Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, managing diabetes during sports, mm. it feels like I sort of need to be able to use my tools when I'm, whenever I'm doing my sports or Correct. check my levels. But yeah. You're stuck in a, li- in a little bubble. Yeah, Racing exactly. at how many? How, how fast? Oh, 200. 200 k's yeah. an hour down the track. Yeah. How do you manage diabetes doing that? Yeah, no, it's interesting. So um, Formula V is an open wheel category, yep. so open wheel race car. So um, for those that aren't rev heads, um, it's similar to a Formula One style car where the wheels are out, outside of the vehicle. Yeah. Um, and we it's a national series, so we race here in WA locally and in Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah, Form- Formula V it comes in um, the two um, engine sizes. So there's a 1200cc and a 1600cc. Yeah. So it started off in the 12, baby steps. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, like we just, in terms of um, diabetes management behind the wheel, like really didn't know where to start. Yeah. Um, I remember sitting down with my endo and at one of my three monthly checkups and just kind of <laughs> threw the question across the table. And he just, again, it was like, April, you're the guinea pig on this. Yep. Just go out, find out what happens and come back and tell us. <laughs> Trial um, and error. Yeah, literally. Much. But no, we, we did, as I said, it was, it was quite similar to the swimming in we had assumed and, and made the educated judgment that adrenaline's going to cause blood sugar level to go high. Yeah. So what I'd find when I was swimming is I'd have perfect blood sugar levels before a race. Yeah. I'd stand on the starting block, <laughs> jump in the water, swim to the end of the pool and get out and be like 24. Yeah. Would be through the roof. Yeah. And then that would be like every time I went for a race, that same thing would happen. Like it would take the entire day to try and bring it down. So then it would be like insulin, 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 insulin. And then by the end of the day, when I've got no glucose left in my stores and all of this insulin that we've been (laughs) applying throughout the day, yeah, yeah, you nailed it, just this big plummet. So we found that racing was very similar in that sense. Yeah. So the adrenaline would spike in the morning Mm -hmm. and it didn't matter what I did it just would stay high throughout the day because you're still running on all that yeah. adrenaline. Yeah, I suppose that's, mm. that's what you use to, to race, right? You exactly. need that to keep your, your mind active around But then the because I was feeling crap yeah. and had ketones, yeah. I didn't want to eat. And there was that part of me that didn't want to eat because I didn't want the food to increase 
yep. blood sugar level, but also the fact that I was feeling crappy yeah, feel and didn't want to eat. Yeah. So then we had this, again, the same problem of I had no nothing coming in to refuel those glucose stores. Yep. So I was just having these massive hypos like, yeah, right. and sometimes not even overnight. It would be like early afternoon and yep. I still got a race in the afternoon. So then it's like feeling crappy because I've been high all day and now I'm plummeting and feeling low. Yeah. And so it was just this nightmare. Like the first the first month the first year probably was was just as you said, trial and error. Yeah. Um and this was without CGM at that time as well. Yep. So it was like I don't even know how many finger pricks I was doing a day <laughs> because it was just this constant like what's happening now, what's happening now, what's happening yep. now. And now we're kind of four years down the track. And I've still got my books, like where I was writing everything down, like yeah. just recording, essentially doing what a CGM does, yep. you know, just writing down um, before a race, as soon as I came in, and then 15 minutes after. Now, the probably the longest period of time I'm in the car, actually behind the wheel, would be about half an hour to okay. 45 minutes. So yep. it's not a very long, it's not the supercars, it's not an F1 race. Yep. I'm not behind the wheel for hours at a time. <laughs> Thank <which> God. Exactly. <laughs> One of my biggest inspirations, and this was even before I started racing, is um, Charlie Kimball, who races Indy cars in the US. Yep. And Dad had actually called me into the lounge room because, surprise, surprise, he was watching motorsport <laughs> and had said to me, like, apes, check this out. And, um, and Charlie was driving and racing and he had CGM hooked up to his screen on his dash but also to his pit crew. Yeah. So while they were checking, like, fuel levels and tire pressures and all the rest of it yep. they were actually in you know explaining to him what his blood sugar level was doing and then quite like the super supercars and the rest of those guys they've got glucose in the car yeah. so um he was able just to have a few sips of gatorade or whatever he needed and, and he was he was fine That's so cool. yeah for me i suppose my form of racing is I suppose more sprint stuff rather yep. than that longer endurance and so therefore it's more managing the day which will take which compiles of a series of races rather yep. than like one big race yeah right so it really is about managing that initial spike yeah. of adrenaline to make sure that i'm not high throughout the whole throughout day the yeah because then you'd be you'd be off resting and then you get another spike right yeah yeah or wouldn't even come racing. down just just hit 22 and just oh stay God. there yeah and then you're not feeling your best no. so you don't want to like be performing at that yeah that state um so I suppose it's taken me four years with a dietitian, an educator, an endocrinologist, like my entire team, <laughs> and we've really just sat down and gone, reviewed every race meet with all the data yeah. and said, okay, well, how can we make this work? So I really use temporary basils to my advantage. Yep. So if I'm traveling interstate as well and it's a particularly big race or I'm I might be like nervous the night before. Mm. I actually start that temporary basil before I go to bed. So I have even... a higher temporary basil. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I might increase it to like 120. percent Yeah. So when you're dreaming 100... about it at night time, <laughs> that's it. And you get the spike in during during your dreams. <laughs> that's it. That's it's been it. controlled. Yeah. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> um, and then keep that going throughout the day. Obviously, I try and eat again but that's due, like if I'm nervous or something again but that's been probably one of the biggest things I've learned is that throughout the day I need to keep those um, stores refilled yeah and then we found that like that early afternoon period it starts to taper off so I actually yep. do the reverse and do a decreased temporary basil yeah, okay. to prevent it from going low um and touch wood <laughs> there's no yeah. no wood around but um it seems to work so but having said that, like diabetes, and as you'd know. <laughs> it, it works today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can plan and factor in as much as you can possibly think. But yeah. there's been quite a few experiences where, you know, I'm sitting at like 4.2, about to go out. Like I'm sitting in the car on the dummy grid, yeah. about to go out for a race. And I'm like, everything's telling me that adrenaline's going to kick in in a minute. Yeah. And I'll be fine and I get those arrows on the pump and it's been suspended and I'm like, crap. What happened there? Exactly. So, um, yeah, I have had times where my team's been standing on the dummy grid with, you know, bags of lollies and <laughs> been half eating a muesli bar with yeah. a helmet on. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it really does come down to those stores and making mm. sure that I just refuel regularly. Yeah. Mm. So do you do any sort of training between races? Yeah, so... 
Um, I do a couple of personal training sessions a week yep. um, and just just started to get back into the pool as well, which is nice. which is awesome, yes. Um, but, yeah, it's – again, it's more um, – I think the focus is race day because as much as you can train and build, build muscle and mm. all that sort of stuff, again, it's completely depending on the day and your routine yep. and – what time zone I'm in, and <laughs> yeah, that'd be a bit of a mission as well. If you have, so, what sort of other areas do you go to? And um, it's just interstate at this okay, stage, so yeah. So, um, but even just the whole process of traveling, and yep. um, I'm one of these people that um, like I can actually watch my blood sugar level go up while looking for a car park. <laughs> like I just, I just seem to get like super affected by what's happening and emotion yep. and yep. what's happening around me. So I always try to plan like a day ahead of knowing that the action's going to happen yep. at, at the track um, entirely just to kind of calm myself down, get in the zone yep. um, and prepare for it all. Um, I have had one experience where like flight got cancelled, got in at like early hours of the morning and had to be at the racetrack ready like Ooh. in the car at 7am the next morning. Um, and that didn't didn't go so well. So then you no. have to add in the extra factor of lack of sleep to diabetes yeah, as well, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's just it really is just total. I don't want to say wing it because I don't wing it, <laughs> but it really is like as much as you can plan yeah. and pre-plan as much as you you can to the nth degree. Yeah, yeah. It I suppose there's always this element of well, what's what's going to happen today? Like yeah. something could just be thrown at me, and yeah. we might just have to deal with that. Yeah, that's right. You've always got your baseline plan and mm. things that you know will sort of hold you yeah. in the right position, but there is always that element of winging it. Exactly. Always. Exactly. You've got to... <laughs> I know you've got your um, healthcare practitioner team. I think that's really good the way you've, you sort of u- utilise that. Mm. You know, people that race, they've just got a like a pit crew and you yep. know, people that look after the vehicle and just your racing, but you've got this whole extra team exactly. to look after that's you as well. It. But you, it. you've also got... This this is how you know you've made it when you when you get sponsored, right? <laughs> you know when I did the Mundabidi Trail and we got sponsors, oh, we we've made it. We've now. made it. Yep. That's it. You can tick that box. <laughs> so so who's your sponsor? So my sponsor is Novo Nordisk. Yep. Um, and they have been an amazing sponsor to have along the journey, and and part well entirely because it's all diabetes related. Yeah. Um, and what's their commercial aspect? So they are a pharmaceutical company. So they produce um, insulin, yep. make insulin, yep. um, and a number of other diseases and chronic health conditions as well, not just diabetes. Yep. So um, they also sponsor an international cycling team yep. called Team Novo Nordisk. Yep. And so they are really big about encouraging people with type 1 diabetes and diabetes to, to get out there and, and live life to their full potential. So yep. um, it's been amazing to have a sponsor on board that's not only um, supporting me in the I suppose financial aspects of of being able to race, but yeah. also personally achieving something that's been a long term goal of mine. Yeah. So um, they really are like family. Um, whenever I'm over east, they do come along and watch and and support, which is awesome. Nice. Um, and yeah, we have you know re- keep in regular contact, and also it's been awesome to have a. Um, sponsor that's so involved in what's happening globally i suppose in the diabetes environment so because they are a global company correct yes so um yeah they've been amazing um they're they're just one of those sponsors that as i said it's it's more of a relationship than a sponsorship but um i think that's (laughs) That's the way it should be yeah Yeah. definitely at least you know you won't get flipped off to another team (laughs) you're stuck with this team basically and i'm happy about that yeah yeah i had i like i said to you before i had particular interest in that cycling team mm. um i was following them on you know that quite active on twitter yeah yeah um so yeah if, if you ever wanted to have a look at them have a look at so what's their team team novo Nordisk. Team novo Nordisk. Yep. and they're a full racing team of yeah. diabetics right correct so i think they're and excuse me i'm not up to my cycling <laughs> speed but um I think they're in that level, like the league that's under the the level that competes at Tour de France. So yep. they, they do a lot of international yeah. stuff. They're quite elite. Some big races, yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, and there's, I think there's two cyclists that are from um, Australia that yep. that have been part of that team. 
Um, one is Justin Morris, so yep. um, catching up with him when I'm in Tasmania in a couple of weeks. Yep. First um, first race for me in the new car. Um, so it'll be good to, I think, even just to catch up with Justin and have a chat about some of that, I suppose, higher level of performing because yeah. um, that'll be my first televised event. So um, Very nice. Well yeah. Done. Exactly, on uh, on Foxtel, if anyone wants to check it out. <laughs> we will, yes. Yeah. In your bigger car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, stepping it up this year, which is which is awesome, um, with a with a team that are based over in um, in Canberra. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a sixteen hundred Formula V, similar to the twelve hundred that I run here in Western Australia, and so we now have a two car team, which is awesome. So. My entire annual leave this year is taken up by racing, <laughs> but hey, luckily I enjoy it yeah. exactly. So when you can I'm live not, your hobby, why not? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when I'm not over east racing, I'm racing here in WA. Yeah, fantastic. So we're pushing it to the limit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so still the same same colours, same number, no yeah. changes to the car. Uh, the only time we have to change the number is if. Um, you're racing at an interstate event and there might be a local competitor that runs that number, yep. then because you're the visitor, yep. you're you're forced to change your number. So um, yeah, right for on. Tasmania, yep. we're running 63, yep. but normally we're team 33. So yep. that's that's my local number. So um, and a bit of interesting um, information about 33. Mm-hmm. So I was diagnosed at the age of three. My birthday is the 3rd of March. Nice. And yes. I've had three he- chronic health conditions in my life. <laughs> so So was that 33 pick because of that? Or yeah, was it just... 100%. Okay, right. Good. So when it came to the time if I had to pick a number for racing, I wanted three, obviously, because I figured yeah. it's had brought such bad luck in my life at some it point. It should do good luck on the track. Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of makes sense, I suppose. Yes, in some <laughs> roundabout way. Um, but you can't run one, two or three unless you finished in the championship first, second or third yep. that year. Yeah. Um, so I went with 33. Why not? My, my personal branding is Team 33. So when you see all of that, you now yep. know the backstory as yeah. to why because I hope it's going to bring me good luck. Yeah, good job. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Re- reverse the psychology. Reverse the psychology, yeah, 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 for sure. And I noticed, you know, a few when you first started your racing season, you had a, a couple of pretty good achievements. Yeah. Um, first in WA. Yep, yeah. yep. So... Um, there's a number of women that, that do compete in our Formula V in our category. Um, I think they're at the point in time that I first joined though, there wasn't any other female competitors. Um, and that's one thing I love about motorsport is that it is an open playing field. So it doesn't matter whether you're male, female, what age you are, whether you have type one diabetes or not, um, you can still get out there and, and give it a red hot go. Um, I now compete alongside my dad as well. Yeah. So there's that element of what other sports can you think of where you can actually compete yeah, against family. family members, um, which makes for some awkward dinner conversations, but <laughs> <laughs> love you, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, um, it's been one of those sports that I think I definitely jumped into the deep end. Mm. Um, I didn't start in go-karts, just went into Formula V, um, and this is my fifth full season of racing. Yeah. Um, so it's been a wild learning experience, yeah. um, but definitely something that I've been very proud of as yeah. well over that time. Um, so I was the first female to qualify on pole yeah. here in WA, um, first female as well to f- have a few podium finishes. Yeah. Um, and then last year we went to Tail and Bend, which is um, a brand new racetrack that they've just built in South Australia. Okay. So I ended up going over completely due to circumstances. Um, none of my support crew was able to come that weekend. Okay. So we had um, a team of us from WA that were going over to compete. Yeah. Um, and at that, like a week out, I was totally just going to go by myself. I was like, I can do this. I'm just going <laughs> to need support yeah, crew. Just rock up and get it done. <laughs> Um, luckily a, a good friend of mine, she ended up coming as well, but, um, had never, none of us had ever driven on that track before brand new circuit, yep. um, huge learning weekend. And that was my first podium. Um, and I actually won the weekend well 
So I think I was like the first female at that racetrack ever and managed to. And won as well. Yeah. So. Well done. That was just a, that's been definitely a highlight that, that yep. weekend. Just totally went out, you know, two girls. We just did it on our own <laughs> the whole weekend. Yep. Don't know quite how we did it, but. You wing it. That's what, that's yeah. what we, I think that's what we, uh, we learn to do with diabetes. We, we wing it. We, we know, do. We know how to uh, make it work. That's it. That's so right. hopefully that, well, that was the first and hopefully not the last. Yep. So you sound pretty passionate about the racing, but what's that fire in your belly that keeps bringing you back each year? Yeah, no, it's a good question. I think apart from the adrenaline rush and the fact that you can put your foot down and and not get in trouble for doing it, <laughs> I think actually the, the diabetes has spurred me on. Yep. I think um, it's definitely been that. Not that I've ever had people in my life say to me, you can't do this yeah but there's definitely been challenges and I think you know as you just pointed to before there's there's always challenges and diabetes just kind of adds to that layer of difficulty yeah um but it's always just been a as I said growing up you know as a kid it's always been something that's been part of my life yeah um I yeah I, I think it was that after the spinal surgery that was the moment for me that was like okay I actually do want to give this a go mm. um but yeah just that I think also for me, and I think it was yourself or Neil that's touched on this before in the past, like it is the only thing I can do that I've done so far in my 25 years of life that I don't feel like I have diabetes. Like as soon as I get behind that wheel, I'm so focused and concentrated like about what I'm about to do and about everything around me that diabetes is not even... Just goes into the background, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's exactly the same. Both Neil and myself take that approach with the cycling, which is why I took up long-distance cycling mm. because you, you have that ability to, to switch off and just be able to focus on something and just live in that moment and yeah. live, live for what you, that's you it. love doing. That's it. And yeah. I think, um, you know, like when, when you're behind that wheel, you haven't got someone, like it is entirely up to you. Yep and you're in control and you yeah. haven't got someone next to you, you know, that's telling you what to do. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I think that, that honestly, like there's some days and that's, I think why I love, but I also hate motorsport because there's some days <laughs> where I'm like, I just, I just want to jump in the car. Like I just, I really crave that feeling sometimes <laughs> and not even just a diabetes yeah. related, but you know, like you've had a hard day at work or something. It's not like you can grab the football and go down to the park and kick it. Yeah. Like, you actually have to wait three yeah. weeks or four yeah. weeks or whatever it is before you get that that feeling again. But yeah, a lot of people tell you it's the the speed and the adrenaline, and it one hundred percent is. But I yeah. think for me, there's that added factor of I can just I just feel like a normal person. You haven't tried getting like a PlayStation simulator yeah. at home that you <laughs> yeah. can just go hop in that and just race around. Not quite the same when you've got <laughs> mum in your ear or you know something else. But yeah, um, no, it's it that's for me. That's probably the number one reason. Yeah, right. Mm. And how far do you think you're going to take the racing thing? Is it going to be, we're going to see um, Formula One? <laughs> I think my wallet's not big enough for Formula <laughs> One. I think that's the biggest problem. No, look, any anyone that uh, has been around motorsport will tell you that it's an expensive sport, yes. and it definitely is. Isn't like Formula One like 300 million or something? Yeah, or crazy. Something, something yeah. Like that? yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, and even at this level, um, you know, there's the transport costs yep. and, and all the rest of it. And, and motorsport is so unpredictable. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't kind of sit down and go, okay, this season there's going to be my, my season fees and my uniform cost and, um, you know, the maybe the fuel consumption to get to and from a hockey field or to yep. and from a football. Like you sit down and think of the year and you can, you can list all kind of the expendables that you know are going to occur throughout the year. Yep. But you've got no idea what's going to break, yeah, who's going to run into you, who you're going to run into. Yeah. Um, and that's the – there's a saying that we say in, in as a competitor, which is that's motorsport. <laughs> and unfortunately, if you can't be comfortable in rocking up to the racetrack, having a race, blowing up an engine or something breaking on the car and not being able to finish that race yep. and walk away at the end of the day and say, that's motorsport, then yep. it's not the sport for you. You need to get out. Yeah, that's it. Because <laughs> you're going to stress yourself out, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and fun, like I have a brother who is 21 um, has you know obviously grown up the same childhood I have in terms of watching dad and r- racing, and he is not one bit interested in 
jumping behind the, the wheel. Racing. Yeah, right. And and he has said to me that it is that point there exactly that he couldn't walk away at the end of the day just accepting the fact that that happened on pure chance or yeah, okay. that's that's what occurred on the day. Yeah. So, yeah, it's I suppose and maybe it's the diabetes. Maybe it's because I've lived my whole life yeah. going <laughs> living that every single day. Like, yeah. That's diabetes. That's what happened and I'm just <laughs> going to accept it and move on. Yeah. I, I, I maybe have no choice. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I think that's a, the same take that I have with mm. you know all the, the challenges and stupid sporting events that I do, and I don't know why I, do, why I would do it, but <laughs> yeah, same deal. It, it drives you, I think, to push harder crazy and places. do crazy things. Mm. But yeah, I had the, the same sort of take. I don't think people told me that I couldn't do things, mm-hmm. but I, I feel that that was the way that that was the message that I got mm. most of my early diabetes life, and that's sort of what pushed me as well. Yeah get out there and just do the things you love. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've, and, of course, the process for us to obtain a motorsport licence is similar to a driver's licence, like on the road, mm. but then add the diabetes on top of that. So there's the, this added level. So there's more more medical stuff related? Yeah, yep. yep. So there's reports that are required and yep. um, complication screening, which are no standard, but they want all recent results. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, again, it's just more intensive compared to getting your driver's license yeah but there was a and it was a mishap on their behalf and also the fact that my control wasn't as great as it could have been yeah and I had a higher HbA1c at the point of me doing all of those testings yep. that that I would normally have sat at okay um, and it was picked up by the Confederation of Australian Motorsport and they flagged it saying that they didn't want to renew my license for that year yeah and it was this first, like moment for me, in my life that was like I totally live by the motto of control diabetes and don't let diabetes controls you and for me that was the first time in 22 years that diabetes actually like it was the reverse like it was the diabetes that had actually gone you're not you're not able to do this because you haven't been looking after yourself yeah um and Due to that circumstance, and it was also due to there was a whole political reason again why, but um, and paperwork got lost and the rest of it. But I had to miss an entire round of a championship because they refused to renew my license on that basis. And I think that year I missed finishing on the podium for the year within four points. And I honestly think now I'm at a point in my life where I am more focused about my diabetes than I've ever been. Because of because you want to I think that, continue with the racing. Correct. Right? Yeah. Correct. I think that was yeah. a huge motivator. But I think the good thing is, even with that, you know, that, that challenge, mm. well again, it wasn't just lay down and take it and um life's over. Yeah. It was like, no, let's let's push a bit harder, let's get that's it under it. control, let's get back out on the race racetrack. Definitely. Yeah, mm. that's what we need. That's that's what we need to encourage other people to do. I, I see. Yes. I see a, a lot of that out in the community with, with people recently diagnosed, and they've been doing sport up until you know really passionate about their sport up until their diagnosis, mm. and then just cut it out because it because that fear and mm. just yeah. But we really need to get that that message out there around. Yeah. You know, you, you can do these things. It's just a little bit of trial and error. Exactly. A, bit, a lot of trial and error. Yep. Yep. <laughs> But yeah. No, and I still I think it really is that, you know, if you're in control, yeah. then there is absolutely no reason why you can't go out and do those things. Um, and as I said, it to me it really just hit home that my own motto, which is as I said, if you're in control, then it can't control you or determine what, what you're gonna do with your life. Yep. Life without limits, right? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so when you when you're racing, like how many so this is your sixth season, did you say? Fifth season. Fifth. Fifth season. What's been the most rewarding moment? I think for the first couple of races, particularly in my first year, I was really, I was out there like with the rest of the cars, but I wasn't with the other cars because I was still learning. So I was like this slow, like grandma at the back (laughs) of the track who was going for like a Sunday drive. And I remember my first race, like, because I remember coming in and saying to dad, I, I want to race and I feel like I'm just out there driving around. And he was like, you know, patience. Enough of this amateur stuff. <laughs> Let me race. <laughs> he was like, you know, April, it took me six years or whatever to win a state championship, you know, <laughs> just calm down. But I remember the first 
real race that I had where I was competing and slicing and dicing and, you know, back and forth with fighting for positions with other cars. And it was like the second last lap and I lost it. Like I spun the car, like I just looped it. And I was so angry at myself because it was just like, oh, but at the same time, I was so happy. Um, and my parents ended up jumping the fence here at Barbagello yeah. and got a little jar of sand, like out of one of the, the sand traps and like presented it to me like a trophy. It was like, we know you didn't quite, quite get there, but congratulations on your well first done. race. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was definitely a highlight. I think something that I will always remember. Yeah. But, you got that on your mantelpiece for the rest yeah, of the, that's the it. medals and trophies. That's it, yeah. yeah, with all the other ones. But uh, <laughs> it's probably the most memorable and meaningful yeah, as yeah. well. Um, but no, I definitely think last year, the whole year was just a bit of a highlight. So the first race of the season this year, when was that? Uh, first race was the first weekend in March. Yeah. Um, and that was here at Barbagello Raceway as part of the Formula V State Championships. Lucky um, third. 3rd of March? Yes, correct. Lucky day. Indeed. Um, and we finished second. So, um, Very nice. Was, yeah, was nice to take the car out of the garage and yep. um, did a bit of pre-season work on the car just to kind of make sure it was ready to go. Yep. But other than that, it was um, it was just a good weekend on the track and to start the year off with a solid um, result is always a great feeling. Yeah, for sure. Um, my priority this year was definitely going to be the 1600 and, yep. and the National Series. Yeah. Um, and I said that we would just kind of race here in WA when and if we can work time and costs around it. Yep. Um, however, after having such a good result for round one, I'm now very eager to, <laughs> to continue with yeah. the state series. Why wouldn't so. you? For sure. <laughs> we'll, uh, the next race is next weekend at Collie Motorplex. Yep. Yep. Um, and then the first round of the national series is at Simmons Plains in Tasmania. Yeah. Um, so and that's the 1600, right? The 1600, yep. correct. That'd be so nice. um, we are a official support category that weekend for the supercars. Yep. Um, luckily, I have been to Simmons Plains once before, but that was in the 1200. So yep. at least I know which direction to drive on the circuit. Um, <laughs> that, that possibly be very useful yeah, thing to know. Exactly. Yes. Um, I'm totally expecting, though, that probably the driving style will be slightly different um and even some braking and gear changing points might be different but um we have one 20 minute practice session yeah um before qualifying so let's hope i need isn't it yeah again just wing it (laughs) just wing it it's worked in the past why not yeah so i think there's five rounds this year in the national series in the 1600 and then i think there's about 10 here in wa yeah last year we ended up doing 13 races, yep. including all the interstate stuff and the 12. Lucky number 13. So um, my little 1200s had a bit of a hammering recently. So, yep. um, yeah, it'll be nice to share the love this year with the 1600. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> cool. So that, those 1600s will be on, on the telly, right? Correct. To watch you yes. racing around. Some of the, Formula V is an awesome category in the sense that um, everything's the same. Yep. So it really doesn't come down to who's got the bigger budget or who's got the better engine yep. because essentially we run the same. The same car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All cars have to be the same weight. Yep. We run the same tyres. Uh, they have to be the same engine. Yep. Um, and they're all audited and, and scrutinised and checked. So it really comes down to the driver and yeah. the driver's capability and, and how great um, their skill level is. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it really does provide some of the best racing um, that I've ever seen purely because of that fact. Yeah, right. um, and as I said to you earlier when we were checking out the car, yeah. um, it's all aerodynamics as well. Yeah. So it really is all about staying with that front pack yeah. um, and getting up behind in the slipstream yeah. and holding on. And then it really comes down to the last corner on the last lap, yeah. who can get to that finish line first. Yeah. Well, our cycling listeners will, will know exactly what we're <laughs> talking about with the drafting. There you go. I do know more than I yeah, thought I did. Right. <laughs> Stick in the pack and wait until yeah. you get a, an opportunity and poof, slingshot that's round. That's it. That's yep. it. So no, it'll be um, it's gonna be a big year. Yeah. Um, but really looking forward to what opportunities come my way. Yeah. So how can people, if they wanna, if they're interested in following your, your racing, um, and you in general? Yeah. Have you got some social medias or a website or? Um, I tend to run all my racing stuff my on my personal accounts as well because yep. I just think that's part of who I am and it's yep. my life. So 
I'm on Instagram as April underscore Hannah. And I tend to upload a lot on my stories during a race weekend. So if you're interested to find out exactly what's happening and what's going on, then that's the best place to look. Um, Purely because of the reason that, you know, anything can change at the moment. So let's put it all up on an Instagram story. Um, But I do have a racing Facebook page, which um, is racing with type one. Okay. So if anyone is interested in that, yep. um, again, follow me on there. Yeah, we'll stick all those um, links in the in the show notes as well, so people yep. can go in there. Awesome. Come across with a few motivational messages. I've already already picked up one, but is there any anything else you want to sort of a a motivational mes- message to the masses? As I said before, it is that being in control so that situations don't yep. end up controlling you. Yeah. Um, I think over the over the years, as you said, there's been a lot of a lot of bumps and and hurdles along the way. But I think it's always been um, also a, a challenge of mine to remain um, mentally positive. Yeah. Um, and again, that's not just diabetes, you know, specific. That's racing specific yeah. as well. Um, and you might have noticed that I have a sticker on my steering wheel on my car. <laughs> I love that. That was really. That, I might take a photo of that. Actually. Yeah, we'll put it. We'll yeah. put it up. But yeah. um, it reads, "Just bloody drive it." <laughs> and <laughs> that's um, that's Dad yeah. um, before a race. If I'm nervous about something, particularly if um, they've made some changes on the car and yeah. I'm I'm a bit unsure about how it's going to feel or yeah. what the result might be. Um, dad always says to me, stop getting in your head, stop, stop doubting yourself. Yeah. You know how to drive a car, get out there and drive it. Just bloody drive it. And yeah, just bloody drive I love it. That. And I think that attitude is, has been something that I've adapted in yeah. my life is, you know what you're doing. Yeah. We are all experts at living with type one diabetes because yeah. we all live with it every day. Yep. Um, and you know, the way that you manage your diabetes is completely different to the way I manage yep. it. So I think it's, um, there you go. My motto is just bloody do it. Just, just bloody, bloody drive it. it. <laughs> Isn't that like a Nike or something? Yeah, just do it. Just do it. We'll just chuck it in a bloody yeah, that's, there. Yeah, that's right. We're painting that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, well, that's fantastic. Thank, thanks very much for coming along and having no a chat. Worries. Having a yarn about diabetes and some awesome racing. Yeah, so no worries. Looking and forward to watching you on, on the on the big screen. Yeah, and um, I'll definitely um, – I usually keep updated on my socials when I am racing, but yep. definitely anyone in the Type 1 community um, that wants to come along to a race, definitely hit me up because I'd love to um, show you my my fun on the weekends. Yep. And um, as Kyle's kids today have, have jumped in the car, yeah. there's always an opportunity. So yeah, um, for sure. please feel free to hit me up. Yep, fantastic. All right, thanks very much. No worries, thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know I did. And if you are liking this podcasting series, please don't forget to subscribe and feel free to leave me a comments, Facebook page or on the mylazypancreas.com website. Thanks again and I hope you join me for the next episode. Mm-hmm.